This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, Kurt. How are you doing? Great, great. Yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to talk before we hit record. Got a sense of the dynamics between us. And I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. We like to start things off with just asking out of curiosity, like, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs? Uh, No, I don't. I come from a family of hard workers. Uh, My mom works hard, uh, used to work harder than anybody I've almost ever met. Um, But but none of them are really entrepreneurs. So got it. Um, Yeah. And the reason we ask that, we just like, we're always curious, like, how did, our origins shape the decisions that we make as we start to step into the professional world and make that transition from, you know, um, I'm a part of my family and whatever we're doing, might have a job at a pizza place. At some point you start to take things uh, uh, into, into your own sort of wing as a, as an individual. And that shapes a lot of our decision-making, right? If we have creative parents, we tend to go. So when I ask, like, you know, if you've been a part of entrepreneurs or what have you, because even hardworking people, right, there's a work ethic that's just taught to you. Did that shape and inform the decisions you made as you stepped into the professional world? Yeah, I mean, very much so. I mean, my, my dad, uh, while he was an entrepreneur, he was one of the, he's one of those rare people blessed to not have to sleep. So he used to sleep about an hour and a half to two hours a night uh, until like his second bout of cancel, cancer, at which point he started to sleep in more like a normal person. Um, and so he maintained two full-time jobs for much of the time I grew up. Um, but even if it wasn't, I mean, but that was out of the house. You don't see that when somebody's, you know, a kid doesn't know what it's like nowadays. Somebody's working on a laptop. They think they're playing Minecraft, no matter what you tell them. Uh, and the parent tells them, um, even though they might be a high-producing lawyer. But, but I remember like my mom, like, I mean, I still vividly remember I was probably like seven or eight and uh, we, we were at some property in Michigan. And I mean, it was a full moon. We're raking leaves in the middle of the night. And it's like, dad had been long asleep. And I'm just like, when are we going to stop? And mom's, mom's like, look, the job's not done yet. We'll, be, we'll, we'll go to bed when the job is done. And so when you have that growing up, like it never just clicked with me even being young. Friends talk about they watch all these movies and I'm like, Really? I'm having to file enough taxes at 14 for two different entities. I have to file LLCs so that I can actually do that. And uh, nobody understood that. So I just never meshed with people, but it, it was that work ethic. Oh man. Now that's what I'm talking about right there. Just the the world of a difference between you and your peers who may have gone on to get respectable jobs at corporations and what have you. But it sounds like, uh, and from my notes here, you had an entirely different trajectory in your life uh, from being able to lead a small team to get an IPO at $880 million to participating in dozens of acquisitions or uh, the fact that you've been a marketer, an operator, and you do speaking right now. Did you see all this? Uh, like, did you envision this and manifest it? Or was it something you were like, wow, I really am doing all these things? Um, more of, I just kind of, I, I manifest, I mean, a lot of it just had happened and I had some mentors come back and point it out. 
Um, but part of it was also I had a mentor that really came back to me and and uh, he pointed out to me what I wasn't doing well. I've had that a couple of mentors around that have been really pivotal and showing, hey, Kurt, I think you should stop doing these things. Um, and so that that helped me realize where I really add a lot of value. And so it's like I, I've worked in so many different industries. Most of them are high growth. Most of them are technology related. But to a large degree, it's just operating. And so, you know, like ideas are a dime a dozen. It's it's data and the ability to operate is what, what finds success to me. I love that you said that uh, Jason himself is probably one of the most strategic people I've met in a long time when it comes to the way he operates. And uh, I, th- I think this is a perfect opportunity to get his own reflection sort of on some of the things you've said so far and, and where he sees this whole conversation going as well. Well, I always love the go back to a kid, right? And, you know, the one place you got, I certainly never had an LLC at 14. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> but but I think it's interesting how, you know, because I grew up in that entrepreneurial type of, my parents were both entrepreneurs. So farming and my mom owned a lot of stuff. I grew up in a small town of, you know, three, 400 people back when uh, we had videotape rentals. Um, she had a video store. So she sold videos like Blockbuster, right? And then CDs. And then it kind of all went out the window after that. But, and then restaurants, clothing stores, she pretty much owned most of the businesses in town, which I mean, was only four, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but it's interesting how, you know, the dynamic of all of that, no matter where you go in life, you just keep getting this calling back to it, right? No matter what. And I've tried to retire several times. And no matter what, it just, it keeps pulling you right back in, no matter what. And, you know, I have a pretty good feeling that's probably how you are. It's like, well, you can only go fishing so many times. So it's like, you got to be in that spirit of things and the chaos of things every once in a while. I love chaos. People say, you know, there's too much chaos in my business. Chaos is a place to thrive. That's where you get to live on the bleeding edge of things, right? And innovate. So, you know, I can definitely see how you and I very much synergize in a lot of those things. And, but I think a lot of business owners have crossing points like that because there's a reason why people are employees. And then there's a reason why there's business owners. So it's good stuff. Yeah. And for me, I think the most interesting thing about what I'm seeing in this conversation is how you haven't even tapped into yet where you ended up with a global recognition of marketing and things of that nature. So it's one thing to have an LLC and have admin, you know, that's business administration. How did you get into marketing? Because that's not everyone's personality. In fact, uh, most CEOs have a really bad relationship with the agencies that they hire to do their marketing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, you have to kind of also put a label on things, otherwise people don't know how to identify you. But even now, like I lead marketing operations, so it's like I make my job is to make make all the plans from our CEO and, and our leadership actually uh, happen. So people make control of different parts of things, but it's like not everybody's good, whether you know, in engineering or product or whatnot. 
actually coming up with dashboards. And so it's it's operations. It falls back to me. Tell me what you want to see. We'll make sure we can look at the numbers on on a weekly basis. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, I I stumbled into this. So it's like I came out of college and um, uh, with a very unique degree and uh, sat sat around for you know almost nine months. Uh, not accepting job offers, not getting some of the job offers I wanted. And a retained search firm reached out and said, hey, I have this gentleman named Saladin Khan, who uh, is chief strategy officer of this company. Uh, now we think about it. You think about all the things that use maps. You know, MapQuest back in the day for, for us, Jason. But um, yeah. they, MapQuest never made maps. They licensed our data. And, um, and even now, Google Maps is over based. So this company that's now called Here Technologies that we took public, they're, they're the dominant map vendor, spatial data vendor for everything globally. And so this gentleman, Saladin Khan, was looking for a role that they could, on his team, he couldn't get filled. And the retained search was like, look, I, I, I hear you've been looking for roles. You're looking for things that I don't think you're going to be happy with. You're an entrepreneur at heart. Come talk to Saladin. I guarantee in the first 10 minutes, you're going to want to work for him. And if not, like quit after six months. And I mean, th- this man was, he was great. He's business, creative, very, very entrepreneurial. And um, was like, look, you're going to have more fun in the next couple of years. Um, and so I didn't realize it was a single company, but you think about all the places use map data. It's like I I got a ten year uh, ten years in management consulting, but with really a high growth technology company that we we took from eighty five million to one point four billion, and all these industries it was all marketing and operations. So ah, uh, that's really interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up because I don't feel like I get enough opportunities to talk about this specifically. There's people even like uh, this. Uh, tech entrepreneur named Jay Samet, who had gone back to work for Deloitte. The idea of an entrepreneur going back to work for someone else when it makes sense, that is something I rarely get to talk about. Because if an entrepreneur has done their job, they could technically step away from their business for a second to go help another company achieve an initiative, right? And, and then check in on their company. Is that sort of what you had done or where, where you saw yourself at that time? Actually, I mean, not, not really. I mean, I, I to me, uh, entrepreneur was there was just something that I you know the the marketing and movies and TV told you you should go get a good corporate job. And so, I mean, I I sold one of the two companies I started at fourteen was a landscaping business that I sold for six figures in college. And so for me, like that's really good money when you're when you're in your twenties. But like that that just wasn't what I thought success looked like. And so I was going to go get that corporate job. But looking back. Um, I mean, during that time period with, with the company called Navtech, it's now here technology. I started investing in startups. I, I started some side hustles that uh, AOL bought one of them. Um, I did. I look back. I couldn't. There's no way I would be at where I'm at now in my career if I hadn't gone to work for Saladin Khan because I could have come. I could have built a seven figure, eight figure year business is no problem. But there's no. I mean, there's almost no chance that you're going to start and grow something and see something scale from 85 million a year in revenue to over a billion dollars, almost a billion and a half a year. And so I, I got that because of somewhere else, the mentorship I got from, from, from this gentleman. And then uh, and then another gentleman was one of my mentors, Judson Green. He he was the president of, uh, of Disney theme parks. He became the CEO of this wow. company we took public because it was his semi-retirement thing, Jason. Like he was mm-hmm. like, I'm not really ready to retire. I think there's probably a little bit here. He realized there was a big opportunity when he got in there. And this, these two men took me under their wings and there's, I, there's no amount of money I could have paid to have both learn what I got from them or been along on the journey to, to, to see what that looked like. In the case of Saladin's case, to see what it looks like to be successful, not just at work, but also at home. 
which is not something you see too often. For me personally, that was one of, I think, the most valuable uh, uh, perspectives that we've shared on this show in a while is that idea because, and it seems to be the theme of today's list of conversations we have today too, is this theme of mentorship and how powerful it can be for entrepreneurs at every level, at every level. Just when you thought you've reached the highest high, there's a there's another level, right. man. And that is so crazy to me because it's just the, it's the game that you can keep playing, this business game, man. So if you had a bottom line, this is my takeaway for you. If you're listening, you're in business. Um, if you're coming to me for advice, one of the first things, the most important things you have to know about me and what I believe is this. What would you say that is, Kurt? Um. I'd say bottom line, you're wrong about at least three major things in your business and probably your personal life right now. And, and you don't know it. Um, I, I say that because there's at least three things I'm wrong in both of those right now. And it's like, if I look back at everything, um, and every every issue that I've had or things that's grown, you, most people, you don't, go, you don't make bad decisions knowing it's a bad decision. Um, I've written seven figure checks into companies thinking they were going to be great companies and realized three years in, that was a stupid business joy a move. There's no way that thing was ever going to make money, but you think they're good decisions. And so you have to have mentors. You have to put yourself both personally and work-wise in relationships with people that see enough transparently what's going on to let you have conversations and for them to perhaps tell you you're wrong about this. Um, Cause otherwise like, like you're going to go on making decisions uh, that are wrong for a lot, for a lot longer than you should. Yeah, that was deep, man. Deep. So for me, uh, this makes a perfect uh, transition over to just give a quick shout out to one of our supporters. It's making a conversation like this possible. Thankfully, our community is uh, is going strong and continues to grow. And one of those members from the community happened to go the extra mile. And uh, we want to give them a shout out for that. So I hope you don't mind. And then we're going to transition to the next segment of the show. But we'll go first with a big shout out to Scale with Social Selling. Uh, they have a system that's helped guarantee they stand behind that. So, you know, more of the sales calls you want and less of the ones you don't want on your calendar. Anyone in business knows the worst thing you could do is have a day full of calls that you shouldn't have been on to begin with. They make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, so when you book with them, let them know that the War Room podcast sent you and they'll give you a 20% off when you start working with them. Big shout out to Terry with Scale Social Selling. Uh, that being said, I want to be able to also give people a chance to connect with you, Kurt, and what you're doing, because what you're doing is definitely interesting. We should, it's, I, I personally want to stay in touch with like what your next move is going to be just because of how much you believe in mentorship growth and the things that you're doing. And I imagine like every entrepreneur out there, you probably won't retire until you literally have nothing left to give. And that seems like it's a long way from now. So where should people connect with you? Uh, what should they know about what you're working on right now? Yeah. they So uh, to connect with me, my digital hub is my website. So go to Kurt Euler, U-H-L-I-R.com. Um, and there's, you can get links there to my Instagram, LinkedIn, however you want to kind of engage that's the best place for it. Um, including like get some, a bunch of free materials are written on high achieving servant leadership. So that's the best place. Okay. And is there anything interesting or exciting that you're working on now that you're predominantly excited about? Um, I mean, I'm working, I'm working with some great technology, a great technology company right now, a global real estate company, which, uh, is growing like gangbusters. But, um, I think that the biggest thing for me is, uh, I'm spending a lot of my personal time right now, actually just writing. 
Um, I'm, I'm always mentoring people. Um, I, I like doing that, but I also only have so much time and I have some two very young kids and a wife that I love. So um, it's a lot easier for me to take hours to get some of my thoughts out and just give that away for free. And so that's that's really what I'm spending a lot of my time and what I'm most excited about. I mean, I can mentor a group of, you know, seven or eight people at a time um, and, and, and that's okay, but I can write an article and, and it gets read by and I get stories from 8,000 people. Yeah, no, you're right. You got to scale up even your even your impact on people. Uh, that's exciting. I, I wanted I want to check in with Jason because I know that you've been saying some really interesting things before we move on to the the, the latter half of the conversation here, Jason. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of mentorship. I mean, I have, uh, I get, I literally get my ass kicked every Monday night by my neighbor. He's one of the former CEOs of Oracle. Um, and he kicks my ass every Monday night during football games. So uh, it's good for us. We need it. You, you, you need those adjustments sometimes when you think you're on track. Like you said, there's probably th- three things you're not. So, um, and we all need those adjustments to help us move the needle and just make sure we're moving that needle in the right direction, <laughs> not in the wrong direction. So um, all great points for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I think there's really something profound about starting off, assuming that you're wrong about something and, and then finding ways to, to invert that assumption and say, okay, well, what else could we assume about that? That's such a powerful mental model that I, and I think people talk a lot about mindset, right? And that has become sort of a buzzword, but I, I, I found at least even my own interactions with mentors Often it's less so the mindset, if you will, and more more the mental model that they're viewing things with, right? Like, what is that question or that stance that they're taking that is making what they're saying to me so valuable to me, right? Because just because they're giving me a valuable insight, and we're talking about mentorship at a high level here, I'm going to be relying on them if all I do is take their word for it and keep going, right? So- when you're mentoring people or writing about things that you, that you know is going to be that level of impact, how do you view leaving behind sort of that model, that mental model and the higher level thinking behind why you're saying what you're saying? Do, do you go that far? Is that something that you'd consider? Um, yeah, I mean, I think again, mental models for anybody. I mean, when I get feedback from people and even how I just try to gauge stuff myself, um, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't assume that just because somebody's a mentor or a peer or, you know, I'm reading a book, I don't assume that they're right either. And so I think I, I kind of try to approach things, not that everybody's lying, but with just that healthy skepticism of looking for, you know, what's the hidden assumptions within things. And so I love stories of people that they've been able to get up time and time again after they've had failure or they've been trying something. I'll take that from people just kind of authentically because it's their desire to try. But other than that, if I get feedback, Jason, from you, it's like there's you're you might you have assumptions based on what I've communicated, what you have from other parts in your life, and it may be good or bad, but I need I need to still make a make a wise decision about that. In the same way that if I think I'm right or wrong about something, I there's all these sub assumptions I have uh, that I need to kind of weigh through myself. And sometimes it, t- it just takes you know sitting sitting looking out the window time or hammock time to kind of work through that. I can tell you one thing that I started doing a lot was more like a the pre-validation process, right? right? 
that first. It's like launching a brand new product into the market, right? You can either spend six months putting it together and then put a marketing plan, release it out to the market and find out it's just nobody wants it or create the framework in a week, launch it, pre-sell it, validate it, and then create it. <laughs> so I'm I'm a huge jab validation model versus the assumptions, you know, type of, I mean, we all make assumptions, right? Businesses have to make assumptions. There's no, no way around that. But I would say calculated assumptions, right? <laughs> That's probably yeah. the better way to put it. And identifying what those assumptions are. And so yeah. I find yeah. I, I'll jump to decisions so often. And then I go, I, this is what I believe. Well, is that actually, you know, what are the three, you know, a couple of assumptions behind that belief? Um, yeah. So you're right. It's, it's, cal- you know, calculated assumptions. I like it. It's calculated risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love it. We just broke down the thinking behind a calculated risk. And everybody always talks about, oh, as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you have to be willing to take on risk, but in a calculated way. And then that leaves people with nothing. But what we're, we're now showing and elaborating on the thinking behind it. And personally, I believe, and I call that leadership, as being able to show the thinking behind the assumptions that people leave behind. Uh, with that said, we have arrived at the grand finale. And uh, I'd love to just be able to find out because I'm just curious. It's just interesting having this conversation with you. We ask everybody who stops on the show this. No right or wrong answer. If you could have invited anybody to the show today to join us, who would you have picked and why them? Yeah, I uh, I have a very good friend of mine named Ben Walker. Um, so he's actually a general contractor here in Atlanta, um, which from a technology person, you don't notice they always hear that kind of uh, from about like, why is... Um, right. What I like about him is he's very successful in technology and in building software products, and um, and made the move a number of years ago from not to be an entrepreneur on the GC side, um, and which makes I mean, but I've also been able just to watch his business grow, and so he approaches business and working with people completely differently than I do, which is also very refreshing to get feedback from. I love that perspective. You have put yourself in touch with someone and built a relationship with someone who you don't necessarily always agree with and in fact, often make different decisions then. And yet there could be nothing more valuable than that, right? To be able to see that and ask yourself, why did they do that? And you go, well, when I think about it, actually, that's pretty smart or vice versa, right? (laughs) Oh man, I can't get enough good answers. We'd love to have them on, man, if it makes sense. I'd love to see what's behind that thinking and and be able to contrast the episodes. (laughs) Uh, with that said, it is tradition around here for Jason to close us out. So I'll let him do that. But it has been a pleasure getting to know you, even though just a li- it was just a little, uh, Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks for taking the time to be here, Kurt. It's uh, We get the opportunity with this show because of its popularity to be able to bring people like you on the show that can share a lot of value across a platform like this. And I look at it as a responsibility because we're really building a repository for a young up and coming CEO to come through here and go, wow, what were those three things? Okay. I just got my ass kicked. Thank you. Right. And, and not make all those same mistakes. Don't take those arrows in the back. So, so thanks for leaving it on the field with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Right on. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.